episode 59 of Talking Toro. Um, unlike the Ultras, Rob, we're not going to be quiet for the first 15 minutes, are we? Wouldn't be a very and, good uh, pod if we were. <laughs> no. And uh, this is also the podcast with more hosts than Sassuolo bought fans yesterday. So there you go. Two, two, two little jibes already. Rob, you got some got some good news to share, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. We just had a little bit of a delay uh, in starting this podcast because I noticed that the Torino-Atalanta tickets were on sale for Torino's next home game and that will be attended by the Talking Toro hosts. Uh, I've treated you to, to the ticket just uh, just uh, tempor- <laughs> temporarily just to, to get them all uh, sorted and... Um, yeah, depending on how uh, the predictions league looks, maybe I maybe maybe I just treat you to that, and uh, you don't have to end up giving me the money back because um, I've I've somehow had uh, a bit of a bit of fortune in recent weeks. But I imagine the, the your rightful place on top of the leaderboard will will soon happen. Very good. Well, should we? Um, yeah. So a few more details. We will be entering and um, the first weekend of December. So the matches are Monday evening. Uh, so tickets are sorted for the match. And then we're planning, it's Torino FC's birthday, isn't it, on the Sunday, yep. Sunday, 3rd of December. So I think we're planning a, um, we'll organise a little meetup with whoever's attending the game or whoever's in the city or whoever wants to come and meet us somewhere in the central town for a few drinks, probably on the Sunday. Yeah, no, that sounds good to me. And uh, Very good. Further details to follow, Rob. You're you're in charge of finding us a venue anyway, so. Oh, that's a... <laughs> We'll end up uh, <laughs> We probably don't want to end up if I'm in charge of the venue. There's places we won't want to end up. But um, yeah, if, anybody, well, if anybody's got suggestions, anybody who lives in Turin or uh, frequents Turin uh, a bit more frequently than uh, myself and has got a suggestion of somewhere for us to to meet up in the evening, then that sounds sounds good to me. Anyway, anyway yeah, not... good food and alcohol is um, it's fine by me. Yeah, we're not going to the Highlander though. <laughs> Already vetoing that's that. the huntsman the huntsman the huntsman huntsman yeah sorry huntsman highlander so highlander's probably another crap pub in another city i lived in but uh no not, not the huntsman so uh yeah hit us up if you are going to be around let us know so we can we can uh we can manage numbers a little bit and see who's around and yeah further details to follow in, in one of the forthcoming pods robert uh right the copper italia but our best run of our best start to the season under Juric continues. I'll give you a give you a few stats. So in his first season, at this stage we had fourteen points. We ended up losing to Spezia in the following game, and then beating Udinese. So by the time we got to round fourteen, we had seventeen points. Last season, the stage we had fourteen points, one fewer than now. But then we ended up beating Milan. Uh, and then losing to Bologna. So we ended up around 13, uh, around 14, which is when we play Atalanta, which is why I mentioned it with 17 points. So for this Torino to have 17 points or more when we go to Atalanta game, we need uh, we need two points from the trips to Monza and Bologna or three points to better it. So positive vibes rob well i mean there's potential as you suggested uh last night after the after the victory that we could be going to watch atalanta with torino on a run of four straight victories which would be pretty <laughs> four straight league victories at least um which would be yeah i i mean i'm pretty sure the stats of the last time we won three in a row was in the mazzari um uh, i, I well, can't I've remember got... the last time four in a row Okay. Uh, oh, before this part, I was trying to research that, and then you rudely interrupted it by <laughs> by buying me a ticket for the Atalanta game. 
but yeah, the last time we've mentioned this stat a few times, but it was March 2019. We'd beat Atalanta, Kiova, Frosinone, and ended up losing to Bologna. I didn't get to go to four wins, but when we beat Monza, I'll dig oh. out that stat for, oh. Next, oh. For, next, for next week. But how many times do you think under Urich we've won back-to-back games and then fluffed up the chance to... I actually think it's quite high. I feel like we've worked in this stat a fair bit. Um, so I would say, have you got the stats in front of you how many times we've won back-to-back? Yeah, under Urich. I, I would say at least four, maybe five. Seven. Wow. So this is the eighth time Urich has got into a game, uh, back-to-back wins, and then not, <laughs> not managed to do it. So, uh, so Saturday night in Monza... It could be making a little bit of history. Um, and he could stick both his fingers up to the uh, Torino, <laughs> whoever he was sticking his fingers up at the end of the match. But uh, uh, yeah, should we talk? Um, there's a few things to talk about. Should we talk about the protest? Uh, I'll, give, I'll give you my opinion. I saw a few things on, on Twitter last time. I thought it was a bit lame. Um, personally, if it's against the team, it should have happened after the derby. Uh, I don't really understand why it didn't happen after the derby. I don't think the team this season has lacked effort or application. It's lacked quality. It's been confused. Um, we've, yeah, a lot of games we've not played particularly well, but I just, I don't really think it's down to the effort of the players. The derby was a bit of a strange game. That might be the one where would have liked to have seen, well, a, a lot more, a lot more quality as much as anything. Um, but it seemed... I don't know, just to walk out for 15 minutes and, 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 then, and then walk in. And then from what I could tell on the coverage, they spent most of the game not really encouraging the players. The chants were quite, um, the, you know, the chants were all about getting, getting your balls out and, uh, and, and working harder. And um, yeah, I don't know. Just it, But then it comes back to the Coppa Italia defeat, which we can talk about. And if it was a kind of, what's a reaction to that? But I just felt... Not re- I think the players and the coach probably deserve a bit of um a, di- a bit of encouragement at the moment. I understand that there's you know there's the ongoing situation with with the president um and you know a, a lot of that kind of malaise and ill feeling is to him, but just uh, the, the process didn't really sit right. It didn't really feel like it's helping the situation very much. Yes, I think I agree with all of that, and probably the interesting thing is that for our best performance in the whole game was that first 15 minutes when the ultras, when the ultras weren't there. Um, whether that's just a coincidence or just that just sort of, we, we would have made a, a, a fast start without them there, whether there's just that little bit of less pressure and or almost the players wanting to prove them wrong and, and saying that we will, we'll show you, this is what you're missing out on. Um, but yeah, I agree. This is my frustration with this Torino team. Hasn't been a, a lack of effort. It's been a lack of quality. I don't think that, um, the players aren't trying or they aren't like trying for the shirt. The frustration in the derby uh, was was obviously I think we were quite vocal about how disappointed we were with that performance. But I think but the, the, almost... ultra, the ultras the ultras didn't turn up to that match, which for no. different reasons. For different reasons, and I said I don't know. It feels like they're they're on strike more than. I mean, I went for a run at lunch and I noticed that, that the railway workers are on strike again. And it's, I mean, there could be Torino fans, but yeah, it just it loses its kind of potency and um yeah power anyway when you're when you're doing it all the time sorry sorry to interrupt but yeah yeah no reason i think i think what you've also got to sort of understand with this with this season so far we just how desperately unluckily we've been with injuries especially in, in the back line 
Um, Gigi's not played a minute all season. Schur's got serious long-term injury. Rodriguez went off yesterday. Richie went off yesterday. And the team's still finding a way with a makeshift defence to to win games. Um, yes, obviously, the, the result was disappointing against Fresnone, but I actually thought the performance was quite good. And there's two quite scandalous refereeing decisions prevented us from winning that game. Um, I... The, the the idea that I I saw with some sort of Italian fans on, on Twitter was that it was a shameful thing for us to lose at home to newly promoted side in the cup. It was like, well, I mean, we scraped past uh, Faro Pisalo in the in the previous round. We've had a habit of losing to newly promoted sides under Juric. Uh, we lost at home to Venezia. We lost uh, at home to sides who we we should really should have beaten. We almost gave uh, Cremonese their first win last season. Like that is almost just part of the course in the Urich. We struggle at home against some of the smaller sides. Um, I didn't think that the performance was that bad. And yeah, it's disappointing to go out. And I think people, or maybe you and I, to poke about it, that we have this dream that the, the copper is our easiest route into Europe. But in reality, like, yeah, I love, we, we said in a previous part, like, Alessandria have been in the Copper Italia semi final more recently than Toro. This isn't something to to be the the straw that broke the camera's back the cup almost should be treated as a bonus um our league form has now improved um with two sort of performances where we've actually dug in um things haven't been going our way but we've sort of um sort of shown shown the the grinter that the the, the ultras desire so much and that's probably on show um, more so than anyone in the most two recent league games so yeah like i say a strange time for them to to protest I agree. I mean, I'm usually quite, I can be probably more negative than you. I, and I'm usually pretty angry when we go out to Coppa Italia because I, I mean, I was lucky enough in my very early years following Toro to see us win the Coppa Italia. It's a massive frustration under Cairo that we've not gone beyond the quarterfinals. Um, and usually it is one of the low, that and the derby is usually the low point in the season for me. I was away on holiday last week. Um, I was pretty tired. I wanted to go to bed. I knew, and then I knew the game would go to extra time. Um, and I was, yeah, I, I didn't think we played that badly. And I think the a lot of what we saw in the Frozzi None game actually helped us in the Sassuolo game. It was almost like a a warm up match in a way for the way we play, way we played two games. And I think if yeah, the referee made some very st- strange backtracks uh, in that game. Had we had we won that game 2-1, the performance wouldn't have been any better. Uh, but the kind of whole narrative coming out of it would have been very different. Uh, but in his flawed Coppa Italia format, I, yeah, I mean, Napoli away wouldn't have been a particularly easy fixture. Um, and I, I just wanted to share this. There was a, something that um, I saw on, on, I'll try and find it now, but there's a, a quote I saw on Twitter actually from a Napoli fan Um about uh, about what it must be like to support Torino under Cairo. Um, I can't actually find the tweet at the moment, but it went something like um, supporting Torino under Cairo must be like living under um, a country un- under communism. Uh, th- there's no future. Uh, tomorrow will be just like today and the day after as well. So I thought that was quite an interesting uh, description from a fan of another team about Torino and it's just, yeah, the copper, the cop, like we're just used to these hits in the season and the copper tally, maybe 
maybe we just put out of our misery a bit earlier this season. But yeah, it, it is a massive frustration. It, it just, yeah, for me personally, this season, uh, it wasn't as much of a blow as it kind of has been in the past. I'm not sure, just to, just to echo um, a little bit what you said about tweets that we've seen in the week. Um, I'm pretty sure this was something that I saw on Twitter. Um, it might have been Instagram, but um, there was a post where it was something for uh, Cairo's publishing company, and they almost they I had almost like a, um, a bit on the wall, like a like some principles. Oh, I saw them. Company, absolutely. And that literally, the the I, I, my Italian's not as good as <laughs> not as good as yours. But from what I can understand, like the the principle is very much, very much sort of um, very modern uh, business talk about uh, energizing mm. and and how they want the the company to move forward. Like you could not apply any of that to Toro. So it's just <laughs> strange that you've got a guy who knows what he should be doing in terms of a business could run the football club in that domain in that same way, but sort of just chooses to do the opposite, whether that's knowingly or or, or not knowingly so. But yeah, Torino, they're a football club who are in 2023, but still act as if it's 1993. Um, the, I, I still can't believe that the, the club doesn't offer, so especially like you say, we're over there in the first week of uh, December for the uh, birth of Torino. Like Torino is now becoming one of the sort of... Uh, Hidden gems, maybe of Italy, maybe tourism is about happening a little bit more. People are coming to Torino a little bit more often. You could sell, like I said, we've discussed it before, a Torino package where over the weekend you you get a ticket to the game, you go to Superga, uh, you go to the museum, you go to Philadelphia, and that's all done in one package. But all four of those <laughs> entities are separate. You've got the club is owned by one people, museums run by volunteers, Philadelphia is run by volunteers. And it's a very good run by the council. You've just there's no way of doing that because you'd have to you'd have to get four sort of separate entities to sort of talk to together and unite. You don't have that ability to actually just offer that package as one thing that's sold by Torino Football Club. No, I mean the whole the whole discussion about yeah the the kind of marketing and uh, modernisation of Torino is we've talked about it before and it kind of deserves more time. And there was also the case that Fiorentina have just built this amazing uh, training complex in pretty rapid time. Um, Because certainly, I mean, their president hasn't been there that long and it was his vision. And, you know, Torino just been bumbling around um, trying to uh, to get pieces of land and then not, not building on them. I just think, you know, Fiorentina, we've often said, and they're a similar size club in many ways. Um, but if you're a player and you've got a choice between Fiorentina, Fiorentina and Torino, and it often happens because they tend to, we tend to um, fish in the same lake, um, and you're going to see the two training complexes and you're basing a decision on that, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's just, it's very strange. I did see that those 10, 10 kind of... Uh, I felt that the, those messages from the from the Cairo, um, yeah, the, the, the ten kind of rules to follow are a little bit taken off ten coffee cups from a Cotswolds um, from, from a Cotswolds tea shop or something. It was a, it was a bit Brentism. It was a bit it was a bit yeah. Even those messages felt a bit like the sort of thing you'd see in vogue about fifteen twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, I didn't. It didn't feel very kind of cutting edge. Um, but yeah, I mean, if some of them were applied to Torino, 
it, it would be a bit more interesting. Uh, I, 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 I didn't actually see Cairo there last night. Did you? Uh, yes, I think you. Hmm. No, there, was a look- sure, there, there was a lookalike, and I thought at one point our, our friend Paul Dempsey would uh, <laughs> was going to introduce Cairo. I th- I was waiting for it to. I mean, this is again, this is a bit of a UKism. Uh, Paul Dempsey, the, the commentator on TNT Sports, but we had a few classics last night. Um, David Zuma and Nikola Vlasic. Yeah, so when Nikola Vlasic was clearly coming <laughs> on for um, for who did he come on uh, for for Ricci, uh, he was convinced that it was Zima coming on, and then he tried to style it out by pretending that Vlasic had suddenly got warmed up and Zima had sat back down. And I, I, I was convinced at one point he was going to think Matteo Parra was Juric and, 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 <laughs> and try to spell that one out, but uh, he, he managed to evade that one. But yeah, Cairo, I didn't. I thought there was a Cairo lookalike in there at one point. There was, because Cairo was getting a lot of uh, grief from the ultras last night as well. So I did I did notice that uh, Richie went and sat up within the director's box Um after coming off injured, which is the first time I think I've ever seen that with an injured player going off and then sitting in the director's box. Uh, yeah, I find it weird because if you've got a hamstring injury, sitting in the cold tribute, I don't know, Just I'm not a medical expert, but it, 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 that felt a bit strange as well. Uh, but maybe it's, it'd be interesting to see how long his injury is, but I think with the international break coming up, we're unlikely to see Richie and Rodriguez um, against Monza uh, but yeah just going to the that, well the other thing with the ultras is that like, Vanya was getting quite a tough time as well um, especially whenever he held on to possession it wasn't always his fault because uh, it wasn't always an option available and then the biggest cheer came for Radonjic when he came on who's someone who's behaved pretty pathetically in recent weeks so the, I was just very yeah the whole kind of show was a little confusing and uh, and, it, and and I think that we, we've discussed the fickle nature of football. I don't think Torino fans are, are any different for that. Either, either you or I. But this, will, if we if we win uh, in Monza and then win in Bologna, it was going to be just a completely different attitude a month later, where we could potentially be on a, a run of four successive wins, and literally every player out of every player in the squad is going to get cheered to high heaven. And that's just unfortunately the nature of, of football and and the results business that we're in. Um, we could have eased we we. 100% deserve to win last night, no question mark about it, but you always had that feeling we, we could uh, have conceded a late equaliser and that would have changed the whole narrative of what was a really, really promising performance. I think somebody's, again, somebody on Twitter said that not only was it that the best performance of the season, it's probably the best performance of 2023, um, which bear in mind that includes victories that we had, a uh, heavy victory in, in Spezia, a victory in Rome against Lazio. I think there's probably still quite a fair... Uh, Summarization: if, if the result had been five or six one, I don't think Sassuolo could have had many complaints. Yeah, Sassuolo are weird. I mean, to their credit, they don't really come and be really negative like a, a lot of teams do. So they're a bit easier for us to play against. But their defence is just so hopeless. Um, I mean, I can't believe Gianmarco Ferrari is only thirty-one, but Ferrari and Ehrlich must be the slowest uh, centre-back partnership in Serie A. And then they don't—they don't actually play. To the, to the, they don't really protect them very well either, do they? Because every ball that went... I mean, their midfield also seems to be non-existent last night, but it, it, we were just pinging pretty standard balls between their midfield and, and their defence. And, and Zapata and Sanabria are not... Well, Zapata's 32. He's still not quick. never really been particularly quick. He can he can cover the ground well, but he, he, I wouldn't say he was particularly quick, but he was. He, he looked like an Olympic sprinter against against Ehrlich and Ferrari. And that Ferrari might need to change his, his surname to Skoda or something because it's not much not much speed on the play last night. No, the nominative determinism uh, 
not really at work there, but no. Um, I mean, yes, yeah, so I just, Sassuolo got a pretty good front four. It's very interesting how they just seem to tear up matches against uh, the big six, but very poor, very poor when they come, come across, uh, I don't know, teams maybe more at that level. I thought a lot of people really rate Berardi, but for me, he's just, I think he locks, lacks a lot of character sometimes. He was, if I was a Sassuolo fan, I would just, I would have expected him to kind of take the game by the scruff of the neck at some point, but he just gets his customary petulant yellow card. He was pretty invisible. I think the, uh, then, the there was a moment when the, the referee touched the, uh, the the ball hit the referee last night and I almost texted him and said, the rest now had as many touches as Berardi. Uh, decided not to because I thought that might jinx things, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, thankfully it didn't. But yeah, no, it, it was anonymous for, for most of the game. And then Eric Tors, Torsvet's son, he looked like he was a, a law graduate on a gap year in the Sassuolo midfield. <laughs> he just, he, he didn't seem to be, he seemed to be a bit out of place in, in the Serie A field. But. And nobody, nobody seemed as surprised as he did when he scored. <laughs> he yeah. almost didn't know what to do with himself. Um, I, saw, I saw a lot of the Vanya haters blame Vanya for the goal because he didn't dive. But I mean, he's, there's some people, I mean, yeah, I'm not necessarily Vanya's biggest fan, but just yeah, I th- I just I read stuff sometimes. I think Jesus Christ, what are these people? What are these people on? But yeah, being positive, I thought um, we kind of rode out having quite a few injuries as well. We had to adapt. Um, we've been very critical of Nikola Vlasic. Maybe that is his best position: picking pockets, kind of between midfield and attack. Um, getting into spaces where he can be effective. I mean, Sassuolo, probably a very easy team to play against. I mean, Carol Linetti was pinging, pinging balls across midfield that, as I said, some of them were a bit hit and hope and came off. But um, yeah, I thought a few players did really well. Uh, Bellanova's the end product's not always quite there, but he was such a threat um, on the right-hand side. And if we just had, on the other hand, I thought Voivoda's, was probably our most disappointing player, technically quite limited, often coming back onto the wrong foot, slowing things down. Um, whereas if we had an outlet like Bellanova on the other side, I think we would be would be very dangerous. And in fact, when Illich started to go a bit wider later in the game, we were, we were quite a lot more effective. Yeah, no, I think I think Bellanova's easily his best game uh, in a Torino shirt. I think one of the promising things about him is the fact that he does show a bit of passion, which is something that's... Uh, Maybe not missing, um, sort of not that you can see, but like just sort of obvious over examples of people sort of wanting other players to be better. Bellanova is one of those rare players. I think they mentioned it in commentary. Like players just don't really sort of criticise each other if they if they make a mistake, and that's something that Torino have struggled with in that in that leadership. But Bellanova would always have um, a go. Maybe not. Maybe it's not always the most helpful, but sometimes I think that's almost what's needed just to like g each other up and. Uh, yeah, I thought he thought he was great. I thought uh, Tomeze ending up with two assists from right centre back is probably not not what he was uh, thinking that he'd be doing whilst whilst they're playing out of position. But yeah, he continues to sort of add a little bit in that position, just in terms of being a natu- more natural um, ball playing um, defender than than Gigi. Um, and yeah, I, I thought Zapata easily should have had missed one really good chance and probably could have had another, another a couple of goals but I thought his effort and his work rate was was exceptional at times and there was, I think there's a, a part just at the end of the game where 
uh, sort of runs, I think he wins a corner and you've just got Radonjic just sort of admiring you, clapping as if he'd just seen some sort of mythical creature that is like, he just couldn't comprehend putting in that much work rate when he'd only been on the pitch himself for 10 minutes. Yeah, and again, Zapata was quite criticised in the page earlier, Red. I thought he was, yeah, there were mistakes in his performance. It wasn't particularly polished, but I mean, his work rate was, was outstanding in the way he doesn't really waste the ball too often. I think he was quite unlucky not to get more fouls. And I think, yeah, I mean, he should have put away that that relatively easy chance on, on Elite Cross. Um, yeah, I mean, the dis- disappointment was not finishing off earlier. Sanabria, again, proving he's an instinctive finisher, but whenever he has those two or three seconds to think about making a decision, it's always hitting the goalkeeper. Um, but yeah, I, I was just going to ask you as well, this, if it's 3-5-2 sticks... It's going to be quite interesting in January. I mean, the, the centre half situation is we're kind of rapidly losing numbers. If he's and if he's going to continue playing with three, I could potentially see someone coming in there. Um, and I would worry for the likes of Karamara Donjic, um, Dembasek about how much playing time they're going to get. A with no Copper Italia and B with playing a three-five-two, which is maybe going to benefit more the likes of. Vlasic and if we can if we can get Illich and Richie back into kind of form as well it's a point it's a point I've mentioned it a few times and um, I won't use Radonjic on this example because I, I do it a lot but I do think that the three five two offers you a little bit more solidity with the three central midfielders to play a more attacking left winger um our problem is that Juric has an allergy to left footers um and there's still the players that you discussed wouldn't naturally fit there. And I think I, don't, I do think sex left footed, but I don't think he could, he could play maybe as a conventional left winger. But maybe if if the you you could see a situation where if we need a goal with ten minutes to go, putting sex as a, a, a as a left midfielder uh, out and out would sort of terrify the opposition a little bit, just in terms of the unpredictable nature of what he's going to do. Um, but yeah, we we were crying out for just a little bit of quality. Um, there, I think Rodriguez at the end of last season when he started playing the left wing back, we were developing a little bit more quality on that side of the pitch, and that would be the, the main hope for January an actual left footed wing. But we, well, I suppose uh, now it's a 3 5 2, less of really a wing back and more just a, a genuine winger. Yeah, that's I mean, Christian and Saudi, uh, we should have cloned really. Um, but that's what Eurich asked for, but. But yeah, it's still a little bit, still a little bit delayed in that in that technology. But yeah, it would have been interesting had we actually signed Josh Doig, but I have, I don't think he's been fit for Verona for much of this season either. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what Brandon Soppy may may or may not solve when he's fit as well. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit more positive. Hopefully, yeah, that's. I mean, we're we're kind of losing numbers, but hopefully we can continue it against Monza. We'll talk about that. Um, in part two, should we play in um, the first goal of last season? The the kind of Panini sticker album volley from Tony Sanabria. Yeah, you didn't have much time to think about this one, so that's why he scored it. It's a little bit of a mess. It might fall to Ricci, and it loops into the back of the net from Antonio Sanabria. The Paraguayan gets the second goal in this game. So hoping for more of the same from Tony Sanabria this weekend. Uh, before we get into Monza, uh, Rob, Toropedia time. feel like you've been on a bit of a good run recently, so I'm going to make it a little bit more challenging for you. There is a Monza link, but it's incredibly tenuous and it will only be explained when we come into the Mon- Monza preview. But 
Ah, it may help, may not help. Are you ready? I'm ready, yeah. Okay, 1923 to 24. Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I've, literally <laughs> wrote, I've, I've literally wrote down 23. <laughs> uh, 87 to 88, Torino. Uh, zero appearances, zero goals, obviously. Um, 88 to 89, alone to Trento, 25 and 1. 89 to 94, Torino, 117 appearances, seven goals. 94 to 96, Milan, 12 appearances, no goals. 96 to 97, Reggiana, seven appearances, no goals. 97 to 98, Bari, six appearances, no goals. 98 to 99, Cannes in France, uh, seven appearances, no goals. 99 to 2000, Montevarchi, seven appearances, no goals. Seems to be a lot of seven appearances. Uh, 2000 to 2001, Pisa, 27 appearances, three goals. 2001 to 2003, Arezzo, 43 appearances, one goal. 03 to 04, Alianese, 27 appearances, two goals. How are you feeling? Sort of wish I had the twenty-three to twenty, uh, the nineteen twenty-two <laughs> to twenty-three players. To be fair, mate. Um, nobody, nobody's sticking out at all. That combination of um, of clubs, uh, even the the strange little spell in France, and then yeah, think- towards the end of his career. But again, not going to be a French player given given the start of his career in Turin. Um, yeah, I think I think with Can not being that far from Turin, relatively, it's probably a uh, some kind of agent deal. But yeah, I think the key the key years will be the the, the that block at Torino and and then the move to Milan where it all kind of went wrong. But um, that will be yeah. I'll let you think about it. It's definitely someone who's come up. Um, and I'll give you a clue. He was—he had a very famous moment in Torino's history. Very, very famous moment in Torino's history. Um, but yeah, while you Google, while you try and Google it, uh, <laughs> actually, the, the Monza thing is not going to work because I can only give the answer at the end. But I will, I will. Um, you can give it now, mate. You can give it now. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, I'll try and bring it up without mentioning the player's <laughs> name. Um, so Monza, um, we're like their Juventus. <laughs> we we've played Monza between Coppa Italia, Serie B friendlies twenty nine times. We've only lost once, um, uh-huh. and yeah, I'll give you give you give you a bit of data. So the first time we played him in the league was in nineteen ninety. So this player played in that match. It was in Serie B. Uh, we were already promoted, and quite topically, going back to the beginning of this pod. Uh, the Torino Ultras, despite the fact that we'd been promoted, decided to go to Monza and tear up the town. Oh. Uh, and yeah, uh, and was, apparently there was a lot of fan violence at that match. I don't really know why. It was nothing to do with the scoreline. Um, but yeah, quite a, quite an infamous moment in ultra culture. I guess in the late 80s, early 90s, it was, it was in some respects, it was at its, at its most, at its worst, its most infamous. And then... Um, 
yeah, we've we've only played them once in Serie A, which was the first game of last season when Sanabria and Ranchuk scored. And then, yeah, a couple of, couple of Serie B games where Marco Ferrante always seems to score. So, yeah, we are a bit of a bogey team for for once. I would describe Monza as, I call them um, Berlusconi's Catholic boys, the Catholic choir boys. No tats, short haircuts, lots of Italian players. I mean, they do have Armando Izzo who kind of breaks all of those moulds, but um, uh, he's Italian. But um, but I understand Itzo, Itzo and Caprari, who Caprari scored the equalising goal in Turin last season. They're both, uh, I've read that Itzo's out anyway, which I think might be a good thing because um, you could see him doing some damage. Um, but yeah, how are you feeling about Bonza? Um, I feel like this is a game where we, if we've got any sort of desire to finish above 10th place this season, we need to be going to win. Um, it's almost one of those games where if it's sort of tied with uh, 15, 20 minutes to go, we need to be the, the team that sort of act like a big club. And, uh, yeah, in that, in that respect, um, what, Start a lineup you're going for. Uh, I think we gotta go for the sort of our strongest, um, our strongest start eleven that we can. Um, in terms of injuries, with uh, Rodriguez potentially being out and Richie out, then maybe the same team that ended the game against, um, same team that ended the game against Sassuolo, maybe one change of Lazaro for Voivoda. Or so, well, I say same game that ended <laughs> ended the same game that when sort of when we were sort of the changes that happened. So obviously Vasic for Richie and uh, Zima for Rodriguez. Yeah, and then you'd bring in uh, Lazaro for Voivoda as well. Yes. Who did Lazaro? Uh, Lazaro came off for Bellanova because Bell- yeah. Bellanova after about seventy minutes was trying to come off. But yeah, but <laughs> yeah, then... I, th- I thought it was a strange. One, I thought we'd used our. Um, three substitution windows, but obviously we hadn't. Well, that was the third substitution window, wasn't it? Lazaro for Bellanova. Oh, was that was that a double substitution with Vodonic for uh, oh, yeah. yeah, it was a Must double. Been, yeah, pretty, yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. sure. It was a, yeah, I'd forgotten about that substitution. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Rodriguez with those sort of injuries being risked. He's also not uh, not that Switzerland's our priority, but I just don't, yeah, I don't see us risking those two players in this game. So yeah, I think you I think you might be right. I don't know if I don't know if there's a, a Sazanov coming in. I mean Juric does like a Ginitis, a random throw throw in of Ginitis. So that could be him coming in for Richie, but I don't know. I think he him and Illich might be a bit similar. Um and then Vlasic, yeah. I think Vlasic's performance makes it quite it might be quite interesting to watch him from the start in that position which was muted before the Sassuolo game anyway um so yeah i think you might you you might be right on on the kind of predicted lineup there so predictions well you're going to go for a victory um I'm not, actually... Actually, I, I'm not actually i'm not i'm going to i'm going to go for 1-1 one, one. oh okay um, yeah well, I, was, I was just looking at their, their form. They're actually unbeaten at home. But they, I mean, they must have had the kindest uh, fixture list that I think any fixture computer has ever developed. So this is who they've played at home so far this season. Empoli, Lecce, Bologna, Salonitana, Udinese. 
and then Torino. So, yeah. And then Torino. Yeah. Um, so, I, potentially, I think you could suggest that they're almost in a little bit of a false position given the um, the sides that they've played. I know they've, they've come off a, a back of a, a good victory in, in Verona, but um, had you gone for a win, I'd have gone for a draw. But now I think I'm going to go and risk it. Um, I'm going to go three-one Torino. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're they're as I said, they they've got a they they got the Galliardinis and the Piscinas and the players who've kind of uh, Danilo D'Ambrosio is there as well, isn't he? It sure he's is. Bench. He's he's likely to be on the bench, but a lot of kind of yeah, a lot of clean cut, clean cut, done the rounds at the bigger club Italian players, uh, which was what Berlusconi apparently wanted uh at, at, at Monza that was his vision anyway so um yeah he wouldn't he wouldn't be liking the the inked Tony Sanabria would he so um but yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for one one I think it might be our I just don't don't fancy that statistically we're not ever likely to win three in a row and I think yeah I think but at might... some at some point like you say this is what the seventh eighth opportunity that we've had to to do this Surely, at some point, it just and, and one of those teams that we play in that third game just completely capitulate. Um, yeah, the other thing we're, we're kind of any team with Armando yeah. in has got that potential as well. Yeah, we are due a game where you know the opposition gets someone sent off early on and makes it a bit easier for us. But um, yeah, let's see. Um, all right, Torpedia. So. Any the wiser? Did, did the fact that this player played in, in a random game in 1990 help you? It did not. Um, it should have helped me a little bit because obviously 89, I was born in 89, so 89 90 was the first Torino season. Uh, but I was only just born, so I, I wasn't a fan of the club then, unfortunately. So probably I was poorer knowledge than I should. Um, I, th- I think this might even be a first. I'm not even sure I can, can think of a guess. Oh wow! Um, are you are you are you declaring? I'm I'm declaring, yeah. Okay, all right. So you've not got it right, but I can give you some more clues. Okay, okay. This player uh, hit the crossbar in the last minute in Amsterdam against Ajax. So there is a phrase, the crossbar of La Traversa di. Oh. He looked. Uh, it was Gigi Lentini's best friend he was a bit of a kind of um lentini light played played on the wings uh had a kind of similar haircut used to like the nightlife of lentini followed lentini to milan and like lentini went to milan and yeah i mean you see his yeah, injuries and his career kind of yeah, uh effectively finished at the top level when he moved to milan i i always really like this player that's not necessarily going to help you but he was you know what's really frustrating that even like oh like obviously I'll know when you say the player's name, but I, even after he hits the crossbar, I believe the urban legend whether this happened or not is that the IX goalkeeper kissed both posts because I think it was the third time the cross the posts have been hit the crossbar been hit in the game. Yeah. And I, I know the name, I know the name of the goalkeeper. Okay, I don't it's know the name. Of, I don't know. Yeah, if this if this was talking IX, I'd be right. <laughs> um, but I yeah. Think- I think Casagrande and Musi had both hit the, the post before, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I know. To, yeah. to continue the cricket analogy, I'm stumped. <laughs> stumped. Yeah, I, I just, um, 
Googling this player earlier, I found a recent like little YouTube documentary and he has a massive um, uh, painting on his wall of himself playing um, against Franco Baresi. It was, uh, yeah, that's not going to help you either unless you happen to have been to this player's house, which as soon as you don't know his name, but I think you would have done. But... Well, I mean, uh, I've met Christian Molinari, so maybe, oh, yeah. maybe I'll have two know flat players who uh, want to bump into want to welcome. All right, uh Okay, this is your last clue. This player's name in English means death, as in hearing, not not as in oh, okay, life and death. <laughs> you know, I was like more death. Um... Oh, if it had been death, you might have been all right. But yeah. Um, but anyway, it is yeah. Gianlu- Gianluca Sordo. Oh. There you go, Gianluca Sordo with the crossbar in Amsterdam, and yeah. Players, yeah, career should have should have kind of taken him to different places. But yeah, there you go. Declared, stumped. stumped there you go. Available for any cricket podcasts. Yeah. And and actually in researching that, I did come across a very interesting Torino-related fact, which I might save for a quiz. I, I don't know if we're planning a Christmas quiz. I think, I don't know who's who's against who in the Christmas quiz this year, but... Um... Yeah, you could be the, I, you could be the you could be the quiz master, Sean. I can I can take on. Could be have, have we had uh, me and Mesa in the South Coast Derby yet? Oh, jeez, score draw, score <laughs> a straw. <laughs> if I'm setting the questions, yeah, um, that could be it, Mesa. If you got to the end of this podcast, then uh, <laughs> let us know if you accept the challenge. But yeah, I've got quite a good question, quite yeah. quite a niche question. Um. All right. So, do you reckon? Do you reckon, um, do you reckon Mesa would accept this challenge? That if I win, I will hold up a Pompey scarf, and if he wins, he has to hold up a Saint scarf. Uh, where? Where does he have to hold it up? In the Maratona. <laughs> Not at a Portsmouth game. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> he would. He he would get attacked. <laughs> Um, but yeah, obviously I might not be able to do the um, yeah, might not be able to do the Pompey one as as soon. But yeah, maybe I'll do it outside the uh, the Lamb Ground in Tamworth or something. But well, you boys can bet whatever you like. Yeah, there's there's a challenge here for you, mate. So uh, let, let me know if you accept. All right. Well, we'll we'll be back post Monza. Uh, try and get we'll try and get one of our features back next week rather than us two just rambling on. And yeah, we'll be in Turin, so we'll be there. Uh, the weekend of 2nd, 3rd December. We'll probably we'll be around on the Sunday for sure. And then at the match on the Monday. So yeah, get in touch with Rob. He's the social one. And uh, let us know if you're going to be about. And uh, probably probably in the part of the, the week or two before we'll, or we'll, we'll put out some information on where, you may, where, where you may find us. I'm going to throw it out there as well. If, if anybody does meet up with us. They get free uh, Andrea Pimbad, Andrea Bellotti Pimbad. So there you go. There's your motivation. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And, think... yeah. And if you don't meet it, we actually get two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It might just be the two of us, mate. But anyway. Yeah, uh, uh, sounds, good. sounds good to me, mate. Sounds good to me. On that note, for Totoro. For Totoro.